Just relax. I was getting ready to fuck. <laughs> Hello, Internet, and welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the Creatively Titled Podcast, brought to you by us over at azhorror.com. I'm Jack, and sitting digitally across from me is Jake. If you were standing around the corner, I'd throttle you, Jack. <laughs> and sitting next to Jake is someone else who doesn't want psychics to come around for dinner. It's Mark. That's me. <laughs> for those of you unfamiliar with our Cracker Jack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. This week, we watched 2006's Lake Mungo, maybe. The year is very unclear with this one. We'll dive into that. Uh, which was a patron pick, I We think? will not. We will not be diving into that. I can guarantee you this is never coming up again. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll we'll exclaim that it was a confusing release date, like all horror movies, and that'll be it. There we it dove is. in. We just dove. We got there. We yep. got there. Good work. And this was a pick from Patreon member Jennifer. So, Jennifer, thank you very much for the pick. We sincerely appreciate it. And, uh, hey, fair warning, uh, we are going to dive into Lake Mungo real soon, and when we do, we're going to spoil the absolute nonsense out of it. Like the last couple of weeks, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, this is not the time to support us on Patreon, though we do appreciate it. Those of you who are, instead, throw your money somewhere worthy, like taking care of yourself and your family, or uh, if you got a little extra cash, something like Feeding America, or uh, another uh, charity that's doing good work like Something that. local. Something local, too. Yeah, that's, that's all good stuff. Uh, but hey, boys, uh, let's dive into our own little brand of escapism here and talk some horror. So on that score, let's do beers for fears. Hey, Jake. Hi, Jack. What are your beers for these fears for Lake Mungo? What if I told you this is a hard movie to beer, Jack? What would you I'd say to agree that? with you. I would. I would totally and fully agree with you. In addition to that, where I'm still at least doing the thing where I I'm sticking local with the beer selections. This week, I'm coming at us with an angle uh, out of Western Collective Brewing. I'm drinking Dark Sky Black Lager. Now, the I think linchpin moment of this Dark film ski. or moments of this film occur at the actual Lake Mungo, which is in an Australian national park, in the dark. That's about as dark sky as it gets. Now, I'm going to go ahead and come clean here. I looked it up to see if there was some sort of dark sky ordinance or preserve there. I did not, <laughs> wow. I, I, I did not discover that there was, but the skies are about as dark as you will be able to find in Australia in a national park. Well, so I look, still you, think it's you, a pretty good fit. You put in the effort there, buddy. I appreciate that. Homework. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing the local thing as well this week. I did curbside pickup from Boise Brewing uh, here yep. in downtown Boise. I've got two different Boise Brewing beers uh, that I'm going to try to cram into this film. The first one is Sun Cruiser Juicy IPA because when she drowns, she's trying to cruise in the sun. That's okay. what you do at lakes. Sun Cruiser. Very loose. Appreciate yep. it. Good. And the second one. <laughs> is a better hazy than never hazy IPA because we've all talked about this movie. Mark, just off air, you and I were talking about whether or not we'd reviewed this before and how many times and whether or not any of them have ever been recorded in an audio medium. None they've, of us definitely, they've definitely never been recorded, but it is very confusing as to whether or not we've actually talked about... We've talked about this at length before, and I feel like in entirely it has been off mic yeah so you know it's uh it's hazy as to whether or not we've ever talked about it before but here us getting around to it on the podcast better hazy than never so those are my two beers mark okay copy and paste the the uh the, the conversation that's already happened about the local brewing this is a local brewer in salt lake city this is from two row brewing they make an accelerator ipa uh, now the reason i'm 
I'm drinking this is because that's what this movie is. That's why this movie has the reputation that it has is all of a sudden, out of fucking nowhere, a relatively slow mock documentary style found footage movie becomes a fucking lightning bolt that hits you out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> wow. Um, it accelerates quite a bit and then decelerates back to relatively ground state. <laughs> there is a moment where the accelerator, the foot is on the accelerator. I get it. Okay. Exactly. Great. So that's Great. that's what I'm going with here. Uh, shout out to Two Row in Salt Lake City um, Accelerator IPA. Bang up job, boys. I think, Mark, you're going to have to put another thing in the poll this week where it says we all get a pass because we did so well. I think that's what I, I'm, That's I'm a one-time thing. I don't want to abuse nah, that. I, I feel like it's an every-time thing if you so choose. <laughs> All we'll right. see. We'll see if I do it at the time. <laughs> now, ordinarily, boys, this is where I'd ask you what else has been rocking your horror worlds. But as we record this, it's like the fourth, uh, close enough to the first it's of the, the month. Start. It's that the start month. of the month. Yeah, it's, it's all the good. beginning of April 2020. First so week. We need to do the horror release roundup. Now, over at our website, adzhorror.com with a hyphen, uh, you can find a complete list of horror movies coming out over the course of the next month that we were able to find, link to the trailers, and a blurb about each of them from each one of us. But here on the podcast, we just want to talk about a top one, a bottom one, and a dark horse pick. Hey, Mark. Jack. Hold yes, on. Sir. Before we get into that, this is unprecedented. Oh, boy. Uh, I just, just real quick. I talked about the earthquake, I think last week, maybe two weeks ago on, yeah, on this podcast. You sure did. Yep. All of a sudden then you guys also got hit with an earthquake. Uh, yeah. I don't want to like, I, that was a great ten- transition and I appreciate it, but real quick, how did the earthquake hit you guys? Uh, <laughs> Cause you just got hit by a six and a half, which bit. is even bigger than the one that hit Salt Lake. Well, it was six and a half, but it was like six and a half way far away from downtown Boise. So it wasn't that bad. Like things shook miles. around. Yeah, things shook around inside the house. Nothing at our house fell over, but it was very noticeable and very weird. It was also like during the middle of a stormy self-isolation day, so it was it was very much like, okay, this is the end. Yeah, all right, cool. This yeah, is it. it was it was <laughs> agitating because it's like I'm supposed to be sheltering in place and then you're going to throw this shit at me. Like <laughs> Jake, you were in the, the shower. REM. Would you care to elaborate on that? Dick in hand. <laughs> Yeah, I was in the shower. Um, I was stroke. It was probably the worst place to be because I almost slipped. Um, I honestly didn't know what the hell was happening, but it lasted for almost a minute, which was the impressive part. And I think it's why I also felt kind of seasick after. But by the time I finally figured out what was going on, I the the fiance is like banging on the door, like you need to not be in the shower right now because that is an earthquake, not some figment of your imagination. And, uh, you know, I scrambled to get my ass out of there. And by the time I did, it was pretty much over and our ceiling fans swinging, like it's going to fall over and it's crazy. Oh my Don't God. Hide beneath your ceiling fan. That's my recommendation to you. Stand right underneath it. Do not. Hide oh, I tried to have a stand directly underneath it. I'm very, very aware of the situation. You're very protected if you can catch the blades as they're spinning and they just hold that. Exactly. And that's just like a bunch of aluminum above you. So it's Yeah, like, it's perfect. It's like a shelter. You're reinforced at that point. It's like a suit yeah. of armor. It's like yeah. grounding yourself during a lightning storm. Exactly. I think yeah. that's what you're going for. It's kind of a dangerous game you're playing, but it's, it has the biggest upside. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, my wife grew up in New Zealand, so she's very used to earthquakes. She immediately like ran for a doorway and barricaded herself in it and was fine and telling me what to do. And I was walking around in circles like, wait, what's happening? Hold on. Wait, actually, what's happening, though? This is yeah, weird. It's what is so it? Wait, Everything's so loud. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for bringing that up, Mark. It was a hell. It was actually after it was over. It was exciting because it was something to think about that wasn't fucking coronavirus. So that was good. Yeah, good work. Yeah, nice. All okay, right, Mark. Now but, we can get back to the HRR. <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, I, I want to let's start with top one. I haven't actually reviewed the final published uh, horror release roundup, so I assume but don't know that all three of our top ones are the same. Okay, uh, Mark. What was your top one pick for Great April of twenty twenty? Oh, Sea Fever by a mile. Hell, uh, yeah, I'm going to jump in here. Me too. Maybe maybe not by a mile. There are a few actually there are a few other ones this month that are actually pretty solid. So, this is a weird thing. We should probably put a button at the beginning of this. Listener, I've been drinking gin and tonics for 3 hours. Bear with me. I'm barely able to form sentences. Um this is a weird month because Obviously, theaters the world over are closed due to coronavirus. So a bunch of the actual like big releases, such as Antebellum, Antlers, The New Mutants. Surprise, surprise, The New Mutants got delayed again. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's um, because, because coronavirus. It's totally coronavirus. The New Mutants got that delayed. That poor movie, man. <laughs> all of all all of the like big blockbuster horrors got delayed indefinitely, and the ones that are still remaining in this month, the ones that are able to like sustain still a commercial success while de- debuting on video on demand, digital platforms type stuff. So, I mean, I think there's some there's some good shit out there. There's some talent in the month of April, but it we don't have like the big ones that we usually talk about to dominate the top one. Anyways, we C also Fever. I got to insert Go that we also don't actually know when some of this stuff is coming out. It's 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 usually somewhat unclear. It's never been more unclear. Sure, accurate. I, I feel like I was able to double confirm most of these. We do a lot of work oh. to try and we do a lot of work to try and make sure that the thing that we present to you is the best representation of the facts that are available at the time. Yes. Obviously, at things the time. are <laughs> yeah. Obviously, at the time is a very fluid thing that changes week to week. But anyways, Sea Fever is a Irish or Scottish? I don't know. It's really hard to tell. It's Irish. Uh, it, Irish. It's expressly uh, Irish. Cool nautical horror film about being trapped sea with a virus that may or may not cause people to act crazy or turn them into shapeshifters. It's the thing meets sphere meets the current state of the world. Jake, you said it was too on the nose at the time, but holy shit, this looks good, man. It's also not just a virus, right? There's thalassophobia. There's like tentacles that come up from underwater that melt parts of the boat. They're like dissolving. There's some Lovecraft shit. It is there's everything I honest, want. Honestly, so there's the what was the what was the movie we saw Jack 3 years ago at the uh, Idaho Horror Film Festival about the guy who impregnates his house? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's some of that where there's just like sort of sapphic imagery just impregnated <laughs> into the boat like behind the fiberglass. So you pull that out and there's just like some organs. There's you know? uh, some body horror elements too. It appears. Oh man, yeah. this movie looks banging. And actually, one thing that I will highlight about this one is that they do, they're doing something pretty cool. So, um, 
Jesus, I've been going back and forth with their email in full in full disclosure of trying to like figure out how to appropriately say the thing I'm about to say because I actually appreciate that they're doing it. So, uh, Dust, the sub distributor that like focuses on sci-fi shit underneath Gunpowder and Skies. So Gunpowder and Skies, the like the overall label. They have a number of other movies that are pretty good underneath their belt. So we have like Villains is out there. They have Cam is out there. Um, they have a bunch of other Penance, I think was one of them that we reviewed a while back on HRR. Uh, there's just other sci-fi shit that's out there that is pretty good. They also have a specific horror label, I think called Alter. Anyways, all of this is in service of the fact that they're doing something that I thought was pretty cool as far as looking on the bright side of what this pandemic is doing, which is that they're live streaming their uh, debut of this movie. So they're taking what would normally be a theatrical presentation with like the stars of the, of the movie and the director and all that stuff. And they're doing it over a website that they're hosting and they're like having people watch it. They're live streaming it. It debuts on the 10th. You can, you can watch it basically anywhere on the 10th, but you can watch this thing on the 9th. Uh, And then they're hosting a live like, Q and a IMA, whatever the fuck. Um, and I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of like a fun little twist on all of us being stuck inside of like, this is actually kind of a neat way to handle a debut of a feature ish presentation. But sure. They would have done it in the theaters had everything in the world gone correctly, but they're taking the best of the situation they have, which I appreciate. So, uh, if you're interested in watching sea fever, the actual, a debut of it over a live stream. The The link is on our website if you want to go look for it. Yeah, that'll nice. be happening in like two days from the time you hear this. Do we know what it costs? $5, which Great. is also pretty fucking awesome. I might like, that's that. probably Fantastic. should be like $20. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's rad as hell. Um, I picked that as my top one as well. Mark, you said everything about this movie. Irish, the Lassophobia, body horror, Lovecraftian paranoia the thing it's fantastic i want to see it i can't wait jake why didn't you pick this as your top one and what else is wrong with you oh many things are wrong with me so i won't go into those but i did i honestly i think it looks great i saw when i wrote this up that mark had already picked it at the time and decided to talk about something else that i also think think looks interesting coming out this month um i do stand by the right now this flavor is not necessarily what i want like people getting infected on a boat and quarantined and tested for something that's infecting them i don't really need more of that in my life even if it is escapism like i just don't know if it'll do what i need it to do i might wait until the summer or something to check this one out but what i did pick is called the other lamb and I can't I can't really put a finger on why because cult movies aren't necessarily something that I'm typically drawn to. They do bother me a significant amount, which I guess is good if we're talking horror. I think what it boils down to is this looks pr- this looks pretty and the last time that I watched a cult movie that starred I'm going to butcher it, Michelle Hossman, he was fucking phenomenal in The Invitation. He was great. So I'm just going to ride or die with him this month. I think it's going to be a good movie. It looks good. And let's see how it goes. Nice. All right. Yeah, I mean, that movie does look pretty good, too. If this is the one I'm thinking of, I kind of got like a a weirdly... It's the one with Michelle Hossman. Yeah, a weirdly Wes Anderson-y vibe from this one. Okay, Uh, why? By the way, for for those of you out there who don't know who... Michael Huisman? Michelle Huisman? I don't know. Yeah. 
I think it's who Hoffman. don't know picture. So he he's Steve Crane in uh, Haunting of Hill House. He's the older. He's the oldest brother of the Hill siblings. Yeah, there's the just something about the the like kind of washed outness of the colors, but still very very like plentiful and almost pastel color palettes. Um, something about the way the characters interact with one another is very deliberate dialogue. It's not as like precocious children-y as Wes Anderson t- tends to be, but it is no. like on that mammoth-esque a little bit of like magical surrealism in the dialogue. And something about it is just like if if Wes Anderson got a lot weirder and into horror, this is the kind of movie he might make. I'm curious oh my to God, see if, this if takes... Wes Anderson made a horror movie, I would literally die. <laughs> that's all i need to see in my life i would want i want that so hard i love wes anderson movies <laughs> maybe it'll happen who knows mark i the it thing won't. that i'm curious about with this one is that i felt like the trailer hinted not heavily so i'm not expecting it but hinted that it might go somewhere supernatural in addition yeah. to the cult uh and that would be cool so the only thing i would caution on that is i feel like um them that follow the trailer for that also did the same thing where they were like really trying to set it up with snakes being a supernatural conduit for like spirits and shit. And then nothing that, that just ended up being sort of like a cult drama. Yeah. Um, I, I look, this movie looks phenomenal. I appreciate you picking it as number one. It was probably my number two and I am excited for it, but I'm not going to fall for this trap again. This movie will become supernatural when it proves itself to be supernatural, not when there is a subtle suggestion of something like that in its trailer. Uh, yeah, uh, that's fine. I, I said, I'm not holding my breath, but it it would be great. There's more stinkers this month than I was expecting, at least that appear to be from the trailers. So, I have a theory on this. Okay, I Mark? don't. I don't. There's disagree. always I ha- there's always the same amount of stinkers, but they're 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 lifted by all of the other like relatively high-level blockbuster, super big-budget movies that come out, all of those got kicked off. So now we're just looking at, like, the mid-level movies, some some higher-level movies, but then also just, like, what is the bulk of the month is always the same, which is the low-budget art projects, I guess you could call it, but the stinkers. Yeah, well, and look, we always hope to be wrong about when a trailer does not look particularly good for a horror movie. But let's dive into our bottom one picks. Jake, what are you least excited for in the month of April? Yeah, I went with Penance Lane for this one. Um, some of these are also going to fall trap of being forgettable from the list that we went through. So I'll just say that this is the one where you have the uh, the guy that rolls into town looking for work, and then he gets told after he takes a job to clean up a house that there's a bunch of money in the basement, so he should fucking i like okay this movie doesn't seem it doesn't seem like it's gonna bring much to the table from a unique standpoint and the acting really shook me really shook me that i just like i had ringing in my ears for like 30 minutes after i watched this trailer one single word and that was bobby (laughs) dude yeah the the trailer if you want to hear it i uh sounds like that i did not like this trailer either i didn't pick it but the other weird thing about this one is like he's a convict and then another convict approaches him to tell him that there's three million dollars buried in the basement and it's like right did he 
know that guy beforehand, or did that other guy happen to? T- Why didn't the other guy take the job? It's so confusing. I mean, he I- might be in it with somebody. Like it, anyway, punchline seems to be that there's like some torturous fucks down there. There's some heinous shit in the basement, along with potentially three million dollars, or potentially not three million dollars, just the heinous fucks. So I'll there go, you go out of my way to sort of defend Penance Lane. I, I don't, don't think this to. movie is going to be good. It's obviously super low budget, but. I went into this one with that in mind, thinking that this would be the thing that like pissed me off, that like this was the bad one. And then I ended up being sort of impressed with How? the visual style that it had and the general idea for the narrative of this house attracting people who were who who had penance to give or whatever, who were being punished for the things that they had in life. Yeah. I actually this as far as shitty generic low-budget horror goes i actually have sort of high expectations for this one Hmm. specifically well so maybe that's another good reason why it's the bottom one because we don't really want to do the things that are like oh this is a first effort this really is like clearly just a project of the ultra low budget that doesn't have much going for it when you put it up against stalwart type movies Uh, yeah you seem to be arguing that there's like a little more going on here which I don't. I guess I don't totally disagree with, but eh, Mark. Also, I don't know how you can say that you walked into this trailer expecting it to be the bad one. We're like ten bad ones in at this point when you see yeah. this trailer. <laughs> I am trying to keep a positive attitude, Jake. Okay, that's good. That's good. I need that. I need help. I didn't pick that one. I picked a little flick called Getaway, um, which appears oh, to be yeah. a bunch of yeah. women on like a lake house vacation, and then. Bad shit starts happening. They get kidnapped, but but then also they're witches, but then maybe they're not witches. And then there's another guy. There's a witch hunter, maybe. Yeah. But Jack, hold on. They're they're on a getaway, and then they need to get away from the men. But hold on. Maybe the men need to get away from them. There's so many levels of getting away. So many twists. A lot of twists in this thing. The Um, twists alone, Jack. It also appears to be fairly exploitative in terms of just having scantily clad women throughout the entirety of it, Uh, which, I mean, that's not a bad thing to observe, but it's probably a bad thing society-wise. So, I don't know. I'm just not excited by this one. Doesn't look that good to me. Hey, Mark. Yeah, that's me. What are you least excited about? In the trap. Uh, So, in a month where you guys have sort of of nailed it already, in a month where... There's not a lot to get super excited about. I think there are a few stunners that are out there, but there's also a lot of kind of low-level stuff. In the Trap is the one that just seems like the most generic. If you watch it, look, if this is the first Possession movie that you watch, it'll probably blow your socks off. But if you've seen like literally any of them before, all of this will seem old hat based on the trailer <laughs> entirely. Yeah. Yeah, this is one uh, of those also, ones where like there's a clown doll that crawls out. It's not a, it's not a clown doll. Excuse me. There is a clown riding a tricycle that's like a 1950s tin wind up toy that comes out from under a bed. And that's supposed to be played up as like a jump scare. What era is this movie set in? It's got that old 50s toy. There's a gramophone on the corner in the corner in one of the shots. That's my like, point. Modern this, era. This is, this is a movie set in what is ostensibly modern day. And <laughs> they're using all of these tropes for movies that are older. And just like, just, I, it just doesn't, they're just pulling in a bunch of other jump scares without doing any of the work. So will this be acceptable, good good being very loosely used there horror yeah probably but will this do 
literally anything that is original and surprising probably not and that and that's why i landed on it is because this is the one i'm like least interested in as far as me watching it and expecting to see something that might be like a little grain of 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 interesting yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Uh, let's pull the nose up here, though, boys, and not end negative. Jake, what what is your dark horse pick? What's got you excited but might be a risk? One that you might be interested in seeing, and I'll probably go ahead and let you take the plunge. Ooh. Uh, an English Haunting. Hey, Boo. that's what I picked, too. Boo I, this one. So this, on the no, on the surface. This was no, my was number whatever. two worst. <laughs> this Wait, seems really? to be... <laughs> This seems to be a, uh, it, there's this mansion in England, and guess what? It's haunted, and you've got some, like, period-ish haunting shit. However, something about the trailer and the way it progresses, I don't know, like, the two-thirds mark, I went from being totally ready to just, like, hit the I- exit button on that tab and then move on to the next movie, and I got interested I don't know why, which honestly, that lends itself to being a dark horse in and of itself. But then it started to throw a little bit of style at you where maybe there's something happening outside. I doubt that there's going to be any sort of an assault type thing happening, but it could be cult related. I don't think so. And then they have this interesting looking font and the effort that was done with the font itself. Cool. I'll go with you for a dark horse. So that's what I'm going to give it to. Cool. Uh, yeah, this one looks good to me, too. I mean, it's got a real The Others vibe. I love The Others. I think that's a hugely underrated movie. Um, it's also got some, like, more monstery, demony stuff going on than I was expecting to. There appear to be some genuine practical effects monsters, etc. in it. Uh, now, look, this also, a lot of these old English period pieces end up being really, really boring old exactly. English period pieces. And this one looks like it could be that, but I think this one looks like, I mean, if you tow that line right, it's fantastic and it engrosses the hell out of me. So I'm banking on the side of that for this one. Yeah, there's there's just something that my brain is inherently un, untrusting of where you have a script that's like close enough and a few of the writers are just like, you know what? I don't know if we can really take this over the top. Let's just set this in like 1890s England. Yeah. That'll make it just spooky enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pretty Mark. terrifying so time, Mark. What's your uh, what's your dark horse pick there, Mark? You guys are going to leave me with a with a layup here. This is one that we haven't talked about yet, which is Dreamcatcher. Hell of a cast: Lynn Shay, Henry Thomas. Um, sort of maybe horse? just a general type possessions or haunted house type movie, but whatever. I'll fucking stump for this thing. This looks good. Granted, uh, it looks it's, okay. it's Lin Shay and Henry Thomas who be might have a reputation for some kid acting, man. B-level so shitty much, movies, but... So much kid acting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's an outside chance this one's a real stinker. But also, <laughs> it brings a lot of, like, gusto to the table. I appreciate that. Define we should also... gusto in this case. What gusto? <laughs> gusto, Henry Thomas, and Lin Shay bring gusto no matter where they are. Okay, okay, okay. Fine. They're yeah. just bursting at the seams with gusto. We should also note this is Dreamcatcher with a K. Oh yeah, um, good point. Which, oh my god, why? Why? I, it's got to be because just they could they didn't want to bother with dealing with the rights issues for the movie Dreamcatcher. And then Dreamcatchers. in addition, like if you ever searched for it, because this is going to be a VOD release, if you ever searched Dreamcatcher and you didn't have that particularly 
you know, intentionally misspelled thing happening, it, there's going to be 7 million search results as opposed to, I don't know, one. Even if you have literally that misspelled... One. That's how Google works. <laughs> Even yeah, if you exactly. have that misspelled thing, I bet Google will autocorrect it for you. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Did you mean Dreamcatcher, the 2006 Stephen King horror movie? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so bad. But, yeah, yeah uh, I mean, there's... there's talent here there's some fun shit this could be pretty good whatever i actually think that the movie looks fine like that exactly yeah, i think and, it'll and be i think it'll my be my dark horse <laughs> I, okay. I, I, I don't know yeah i agree the floor is pretty high but i think the ceiling is also pretty low this can't i don't think this can reach like the levels of great <laughs> there you go there, dark horse that's there the dark is horse an outside chance it month. sucks i think the floor could be pretty low but we'll see how the kid does there you go. There you go. But now, boys, it's time to move on to the feature presentation. Over at ADCHorror.com this week, we watched 2005's Lake Mungo. Again, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, this was a pick from Patreon member Jennifer. So, Jennifer, thank you again for picking this movie that not enough people talk about. Um, and we will dive all the way into that. But first... We've got to do a 30-second plot synopsis. I was thinking, boys, we'll just do it around the horn thing, 10 seconds each kind of a deal. Sure. All right, 30 seconds are on the goddamn clock. I'm going to go first, and then Jake, and then Mark. How do yeah, we like that? Okay, Mark, yes. Mark, want to back totally clean up? The middle part is the hardest part. Jake, what? you got it. Here we go. <laughs> All right. All right, 30 seconds oh. are on the goddamn clock. It's going to start when I start. An Australian family has a teenage daughter who drowns, and uh, they start to try and figure out why she drowned. They can't find her body initially, and then they do find her body, and uh, time, Jake. Oh, my God. Okay, so they uh, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> happening at their house. Eventually, they find out that the kids staged the supernatural happenings, but then twist happens. They time, find Mark. Out that there was a child molester-type sexual predator thing. Anyways, all of that is irrelevant because what happens was she was actually at Lake Mungo the whole time. She saw her future self die, and then that was captured on a <laughs> cell phone camera. So here's the thing. I'm we happy, Jack, that like you got through the part where she the died. Transitions. Yeah, we do need stuff for transitions. Yeah, I got to the part where she died, Jake. It ha That's the first five minutes of the movie, bro. That was so bad. So I also got to the part where they found her body. Here's here's the high points. We should just run through the actual plot of the movie, not under the guise of a 30-second plot synopsis. A teenage girl drowns in a reservoir. It yes. sounds like I nailed it so far. So far, That's so all good. you said! There is a documentary based Still around true. her death. Her, her brother... Oh, yeah, it's a documentary. Out, I forgot that part. <laughs> ...puts out a bunch of like video and photography air quotes, evidence of her haunting their house, even though he was actually doctoring all of that footage to sort of gain attention and maybe give his mom some closure, but that did not work out. Uh, no, a no, few other things come to light regarding her sexual exposure to their neighbor, who is actually sort of a sexual predator. Um, and then you find out that she went on a sort of senior trip with some friends of hers to a uh, national, national park. park. To do some sun cruising. To just sort of drink and have some fun. And she captured some video on her own phone, her flip phone, of of her encountering the future spirit of herself after having drowned. And then she freaks the fuck out, is haunted for a few months by her future self 
being dead and then she dies in the way that was predicted which is actually like a pretty phenomenal storyline but aside from that we'll we'll talk about that in a minute (laughs) and then she was actually in double twist it wasn't just the the brother wasn't doctoring wasn't just doctoring ghosts into photographs there was also real ghosts in some of the photographs maybe like a lot of photographs that part I want to talk about that. That part fucking rules. Can we get into I what this movie does that. right? Because I want to talk about that. No, we got to talk about what enough. in the fuck subgenres of horror this Damn fits it. into, except fuck. for found footage, because that's mine. Supernatural foreign. is the other one. Foreign. Supernatural, sure, foreign, independent. This is about as independent as a movie gets. It's so hard yep. to find this one. Uh, I mean, not not really. I, I think mean, it's increasingly less hard to find, which is also <laughs> a good thing. Um it's very independent, too, in the sense that Joel Anderson is the writer-director of this one, and I think that it's worth mentioning this dude made... Uh, rating spoilers. This dude came out and made a fucking banger and disappeared. Just vanished. <laughs> Just And that is so much cooler. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Like, where, where did he go? <laughs> where did this guy go? I do happen to own the DVD of this one. And on the back, it lists two special features on that DVD. Uh, Dolby? They are, what's that, Jake? Dolby surround sound. No, actually. Uh, interactive menus. No, no, they Fuck. avoided that trap. Yeah, two two special features. Okay. One, widescreen presentation. Two. <laughs> okay. Trailer. <laughs> oh, they have the trailer in there. I'd be interested in seeing the trailer. Actually, I've never thought about doing that. It's pretty good. Okay. Whatever. I mean, I'm sure we've posted it on our website. I'm sure we did, Mark. Yeah. When we did HRR for July of 2005. Oh, we reviewed the movie, buddy. It was like review number two. I think we this reviewed legitimately this back like... was the second movie that you guys reviewed. And I can say you guys because I was not part of the website at that point. We reviewed it in 2016. Wowzers. 20, 2015. Yeah, 15, 2015. Exactly. It was, so you started in October of 2015. You did Unfriended. And then I think you did The Shining. And then I think you did Lake Mungo. And then you wow. did uh, the the claymation. Krampus one was in. Christmas. Krampus was in there somewhere too. Nightmare that Before Christmas, and they did Krampus, and then I joined shortly thereafter. Wowzers! Wowzers! Yeah, Mark Wowzers. has a photo photographic memory of what he missed. <laughs> I read. FOMO. I read all of the reviews. You know, I, I remember the nice things guy. that I read. That makes you and three other people on the planet. Roughly, yes. Uh, I don't think there are any other subgenres it really fits into. Uh, no. no. Probably psychological. Not. I mean, one of the funny things about this is that it does also hit on adult fears, even though it's completely irrelevant to the actual plot of the movie. They just like <laughs> oh, sure leave yeah. that one in there just because. This is the most. This is like the saddest movie ever. <laughs> this, okay. is, this is such a sad, depressing, somber fucking slog of a horror movie. God. Elaborate. So we're done with the segment now, but elaborate on your take. Uh, in terms of what the movie does right, are you gonna pigeonhole me? No, like no, that? no, no. I'm not pigeonholing you at all. I want you to expound more on just this being. Uh, sad. well, I mean, okay. So, part we'll get into. I think part of it is what the movie does right, actually. But just to go from like thirty thousand foot view level, like this is a movie about, uh, like it's about grief and loss and lack of closure. things that I think all of us in that vein deal with in terms of like what you can't really what you can't really get back when death comes and takes what it takes from you and your family situation and then i think on top of that it had 
with the situation that it painted for the main character, the girl, Alice, uh, a very depressing take because of what had happened to her and that, like, before any of the supernatural elements. Then you add on to that, like, the physical manifestation of her impending death that's haunting her to her grave that she doesn't share. And at the end of the movie, if you're following along with that supernatural line, she is just there and sort of watches her family leave. And it it is the firm dividing line separation of them that they cannot get back. That's devastating. This movie (laughs) has a resonance in a weird way with Haunting of Hill House, which I think now this is the second time I've referenced that in this episode. But there's the sixth episode, I think it's number six, where it's the single take one that they do in the the as they're burying the daughter. where the recurring theme of the episode is I was standing there and no one could see me. And the way that they go out with that, where the ghost of the daughter is standing there and literally no one can see her because she's a ghost or whatever, that's like both super fucking scary and also incredibly sad. (laughs) Yeah. And I get the exact same vibe out of of this, which I think is what you're saying if I'm reading between the lines. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Cool, got it. Nailed it. There is also a more positive possible outcome to this, right? It could be that she didn't die, killed. and everyone's just hallucinating, and she's living her best life in South Africa. <laughs> no, but there oh, is the okay. there is the thing of like the the ghost of her wanted was there to help her, like let her family know what had actually happened to her, and expose that part of her life, so she didn't just like toil away in 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 the darkness. And then once they find that closure, in the Baskin family. Yeah, and the basket that had the family's able to move on and the ghost is presumably able to do whatever the fuck ghosts do dissipate Jake, it's it's like it's like the song uh orange blossoms you take that super negatively and i, f- I find it wistful and happy that song is so depressing <laughs> let's just quickly analyze the lyrics of that no let's not <laughs> let's get into what the up. movie does right because i think that this actually starts to transition into the part like that is inherently connected to how it's a somber sad depressing movie that tone has to exist for the believability of this as a mock documentary yeah and and it works super super well i would like to widen that quite a bit which is just that the tone in general of the of the presentation of this movie where it's sort of like a local tv documentary about a family dealing with something dealing with loss um they fucking nail it so hard if you were just throw this on on your local PBS station, I would not be able to distinguish this from literally any other presentation yeah. that they were putting in front of me. It is exactly note for note the correct like feeling that is captured in most of those kind of like local PBS documentaries. Until yeah, until there's those... like the scene that happens. We'll talk to that in a minute, but yeah. yeah. It's it's not even like just that it's a even local or that small of a documentary. It's just kind of in this era, right? Because remember, this is like 2005, where before you had these prestige documentaries and like super, like it was the norm to have these super high, highly produced and highly edited and, and written documentaries like that. Like a lot of documentaries just felt like this. Yeah, and they get the, they get the tone exactly right. Exactly and that tone right. is interesting because it includes a bunch of extraneous shit. 
you know? Yeah. So ultimately, yeah. we'll probably talk about this and what the movie does middle or wrong, where there's just things that don't necessarily need to be there. But in a way, I feel like all of them are in service of the overall arc of this one, where like, yeah, it probably doesn't need to be this long, and you could probably have just set up the jump scare way easier in sub-75 minutes. But you leaning into this, like documentary uh timbre is is what this movie does right in spades that's the thing it ultimately it'll probably turn a lot of people off because it's a pretty bit it's a bit of a slow well, burn but. yeah so this movie yeah this movie is absolutely dedicated to what that timbre that you just mentioned is and that is not going to be for everyone but for what the movie is it is what the, this is a weird sentence that is what the movie does right prime because what we're going to talk about in a minute, the moment, that cannot happen and be as impactful without what has been happening for the rest of this, which is super believable documentary style that's at a lower grade. It's simple, and look, I think that that's good, too. And then you're hit with a fucking lightning bolt later. Exactly. Yeah, look, Mark already so, said the jump scare out loud, so we, we need to dive into it, because to me, they're too, they're too intertwined. Hold on. Okay. So... I uh, I appreciate where you're going and I want to go there, but I have a thing to 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 say before we get there. He's prepared a piece. Insofar as horror and comedy are very intrinsically linked, and I think that we we'll all agree that like it's all about timing between both of those mediums. This is a movie about a punchline. The punchline in this case is not funny; it is scary. It's still a punchline. Yeah. But the one thing that is frequently like resonated in comedy circles is like stick with your bit, you know, commit to the joke that you're making. And that's exactly what this movie does. It's yeah. probably overall to the detriment of the delivery of everything, but it it serves the overall punchline, which is exactly what you were about to start talking about, Jack. Yes, I was. And Mark, I totally agree. And 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 you I Jake, I don't know that I agree that the slow plotting documentary style of it is what the movie does right prime, because I think that's, like you said, I, in service me, of the moment, which is let what me, it does. Yeah, let me clarify. That is what the output is, but it's the dedication to its bit, which Mark clarified, that is what the movie does right prime. Yeah. And that's that we what just makes, talk in circles for like 20 minutes. <laughs> that's what makes this movie work. That fucking jump scare. This is one of the history's all-time best jump scares. Correct. Of all time. I, 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 <laughs> there's, I, maybe, there's... maybe just the best. I don't know, man. So I'll, I'll be the, I'll be the dissenting factor here. I love this jump scare. It stuck with me for a decade, literally a decade. This time around, I don't know if it quite resonated the same way I was expecting it to. Okay. There is yeah. a we're, we're getting into what the movie does wrong at this point, which I'm getting ahead of ourselves here. But I, do, I just don't think it quite translates as well with the media of the time where it's very clearly filmed on a flip phone that is like super low resolution. And that's the only thing that I can like really knit, not nitpick. We'll get to that as well. But You're that's, just breaking that, that format is the main all over complaint. the place. Dude, I'm all over the place. Yeah. That's, that's the main complaint I have where I was expecting that thing to like really hit me. And every other time I've watched this, that was a, that was a gut punch. Where all of a sudden we, I was just stopped in my tracks, and this time that didn't quite hit me the huh. way that I was. So, expecting. are you saying you wanted it to be higher fidelity? 
for more of the impact? Like, th- what did you need? Well, there's an outside chance that my brain has just degraded over time and I don't have the imagination I thought I once had. <laughs> oh, I mean, it hit me. And I actually, one of the things that I like about it is like with honestly all of the, the this movie has a very creepy plotting part to it. And a lot of that's with the, the photography that's captured and then the video that is doctored and all of that doctored air quotes, or is it question mark? All of it looks intentionally shitty. So the whole time you're watching this movie, you get these things that are intentionally hard to make out to a certain degree. You kind of find yourself leaning in a little bit squinting. It's, it's not something that's immediately apparent. And I think that that's helpful and it sets you up for what you ultimately get with the jump scare it's not higher fidelity. It's still on that old school, like whatever you had in 2005, Kyocera fucking brick phone that you would have had. I like that, though. It still hit me. I, I like that it is a janky quality because that lends itself to the believability that I think you're finding throughout the rest of the film. Like, if they found this phone buried in the middle of this dried out lake, in like, that's what bag I want that with, to be. With a bracelet. <laughs> that's what I want that to be. Like it looks shitty because it was shitty. Yeah, like, that's I'll, what she had. Jake, I don't be. I don't appreciate being lumped into your privileged world. In 2005, I didn't have a cell phone. I split custody of a cell phone with my mom, and uh, I asked a girl <laughs> out uh, named Maya, and she said she didn't want to date me because when she tried to call me, when I'd given her my number, my mom answered, and she was not into that. That's fair, dog. <laughs> it was hard being us in in junior high. Anyway, school. I don't. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think that the I don't think that that jump scare needed to be anything different than what it was. Like I, this is one that I remember as being that gut punch, like you mentioned. And I, I think in the very end of the outro of the last episode, when I was talking about how this was the one that was coming up, I was a little bit like hesitant is not the right word, but there are very few horror movies that stick with me, and this is one that I think the what I said is it I keep the lights on. No, I, I understand what you're both saying. I don't I don't think it could be like it doesn't need to do anything different to be more effective, but I also agree with Mark that it definitely loses efficacy on repeated viewings, at least for me. Well, and that's sort of what I was getting at, is I'm one hundred percent in Jake's boat of this is one that has been in my brain somehow as where when I see the thing, the the grand reveal, it is it it elicits in me a physiological response that makes me uncomfortable that that gets me a knot in my stomach that i do not want to look at and this time around when i when i saw it when i saw the package that the movie had to deliver it just didn't have that resonance that i was expecting it to sure so i mean jump scare is inherently going to be hard yeah, to yeah i i get itself. that like yes that is the appropriate delivery method for the flip phone or whatever but i just in a weird way, it was something about this movie that didn't translate well. I don't think I've seen this movie in five or six, seven years, something like that. Yeah. Well, we, we never talked about our, our histories with this film. Jake, you turned me on to this one, either late high school or early college. Uh, so I saw it back 2007 era. Mark, what about you? Yeah, I was actually trying to remember whether or not I saw this before joining the website or whether I saw this as a result of joining the website. It was right around the same time. So I... Th- I think the first time I saw it was roughly 2016, and now it's, what, four years later. I've seen it once since then. I think I just threw it on because I like found footage stuff, and it hit me 
it hit me the same way twice. And then it's been maybe three years or so since then. And now I watch it again. Nice. All right. Yeah. And I, I, the other thing, Jake, you mentioned the, the ghosts and the, the like squinting your eyes, trying to look at the corner of pictures and other stuff that happens in the lead up throughout the movie. And I think another thing the movie does expertly, and this is all direction is you're squinting in one corner, but then the director kind of zooms in on a different path to draw different part to draw your focus elsewhere, but then plays with some of the pixels on the outside away from where he's zooming it in to, to redirect you. It just fucks with your whole perspective the whole time. 100%. That is what this movie does. So now that I've seen this a couple times, that is what this movie does right in spades is the ghost photography shit. I am a huge sucker for ghost photography type paranormal investigation bullshit. And the way they play it in this movie where they're like every single time there's an actual ghost in frame and then they zoom in on the wrong ghost that's in frame because there's uh, manipulation happening on the part of the younger brother or whatever. So they zoom in on his work and then over the credits you know, one minute after like the end credits actually start rolling, they kind of show you the grand reveal of everything. And they start zooming in on these frames that you've seen already where they already zoomed in on things and they zoom in on different parts. And they're like, yeah, there was a ghost there the whole time. You didn't <laughs> I mean, see that. What the fuck right. is wrong with you? I'm going to have a question that I'm going to fucking love I'm gonna that. Put a, I'm going to put a pin in a question until later. Okay. I mean, you put your pin in your question, but yeah, no, that is, that is absolutely fantastic. I love it very much. I'm kind of out of move things. The movie does hard right. That's fine. You want to go middle, Jack? One yeah, I do. Things, I do want to go middle. Hold on. One of the things I always loved about this movie, before we move too far, I do just want to put this I just want to put this out there. One of the things I always loved about this movie is that in a movie that is fundamentally about loss and grieving, uh they they kind of explore like all realms of things where initially it's a ghost and then it's the kid reaching out for attention and then it's a child molester. And then they come back to ghosts. And I kind of like that whole arc of, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this, it could be, oh, and then we're going to forget about literally everything. And actually one of my nitpicks that will come up later is that they forgot about a large portion of the thing they were already talking about. police. (laughs) (laughs) And and then they get back to what actually happened. But I I do appreciate that as far as like the, the kind of roller coaster feel to this thing is like, is it a ghost? Oh, it's not a ghost. Is it a child monster? Oh, it's not a child monster. Is it a ghost again? Oh, it's, it's actually, it actually is a ghost this time. Like, there was a part of my brain that was just like, someone's going to suggest aliens, and we're going to go down the aliens rabbit hole for like half an hour, and then we're going to come back. But it never It's happens. so weird. It's so weird. And I, it's like, this is a good one to end on before we go to middle, because I think it's towing that line anyway. But what you have is some like very real adult fear type shit with, like, what do you do in response to grief and real problematic stuff like ch- child molestation. Right. I mean, we never book said... Bookended sh- book by ghost shit. It's fucking weird. <laughs> it's There's bizarre. a lot going on here. Yeah. yeah. How do you prioritize these things? <laughs> we, we never did say that, like, she was a babysitter for their next-door neighbors, the father of that family, then also molested They had... Her. She had a sexual encounter with that man and his wife. Yep. At least one. Yeah. At least one that was filmed. (laughs) Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, Um, and if there's at least one that was filmed, then, you know, it probably goes a little bit deeper. That's my (laughs) assumption. 
<laughs> All right, so I think we've already talked about the, the biggest pr- middle thing the movie does for me, which is the repeated viewings. This one cannot last on repeated viewings. It loses something every time I watch it. And while there okay. are things to appreciate on repeat viewings, it, it just it can't and won't hit you as hard as it did on that first viewing. And it, it just... And, yeah, and I that's think by it's design, the thing that... Yeah, the thing that you end up talking about, I mean, it gets back to that same jump scare conversation. The thing that you end up talking about and the selling point, the pitch that you give to people is probably going to be that, unless you're talking to a very specific kind of person who is just going to get something out of a glacially paced mockumentary, (laughs) right? Right. You're talking about that jump scare, and... What there's something inherent to a jump scare where it's going to impact you the most the first time you see it because you aren't ready for it. Therefore, a jump scare. That's the whole point. But yeah, I mean, I hear you. It does lose some luster as an overall package over time. I would well, say I- that this is best constructed for two viewings where the first one it's a twist and the second one you're anticipating it and waiting for it to build and you know that it's about to happen. And then it happens and it's like the crescendo of the movie and you're like yes and then the third time you watch it you're like okay i'm kind of tired of the crescendo so the first time it's a surprise the second time it's like your orgasm and then after that you're just kind of done with it yeah exactly you're in you're, you're in sleepy the, yeah you're just sleepy yeah. exactly <laughs> speaking of things i had in middle that pacing that glacial oh pace god yeah especially when you know the jump scare is coming it is just like you're watching a very boring public access documentary and I am a personally a person who is fascinated by public access documentaries, so I fucking love that. I find that incredibly engrossing, but also I will recognize probably not the best way to pull people into your movie. It's a little better than public access. Come on. It is. It's, but it's, it's honestly, boring. dude, public access has some gems out there. It's When I think public access documentary... I the, the if that's what you're looking for in horror, you should watch the last broadcast. This is a, a higher hey, hey, level. Hey, qu- real quick though, if that's what you're looking for, watch the Poughkeepsie tapes. Poughkeepsie tapes. That's yeah. the, probably the other one. Dude, yeah. Poughkeepsie tapes is so fucking good. Oh my god. <laughs> Look, we'll put it this way: the production quality of the mockumentary in this is not Tiger King. <laughs> N- yeah. Okay. No. Nailed it. <laughs> I have one other thing the movie does middle, which is the B roll. Uh, so the main thing I have here is that okay. it's really hard to combine these two things in my brain where you watch an incredibly pixelated cell phone camera video or whatever, and then immediately following that, you have a beautiful 1080p landscape shot that's shot by some, like I don't know if they're shooting on film or something that's just nice and digital, but that is really hard for my brain to like reconcile where it's something that is almost impossible to look at versus clouds that are shot at 1080p or 4K or I don't fucking care. I don't know. You know what stupid thing helps me with that, though? It's the it's just the thing like saying, hey, Alice's phone footage and then the date at the bottom. Oh, sure. like that yeah. helps me. I didn't but- have a problem with this at all. And in fact, the fact that the phone is so shitty makes me like buy more into the realism of the found footage aspect so it, it very much worked for me i had kind of an opposite reaction but... i mean i hear you this is only something that's hit me this time around but there's just something about because it's not just it's not just that they show the frame that's grainy it's that they zoom in on part of the frame that's grainy so it's not even just like 480p it's that they're zooming in on the bottom like the top quartile they- They do a manual zoom on an already (laughs) digitally pixelated image. Exactly. So you're looking at pixels that are like legit. If you're on just a TV screen, like three or four inches wide is the side of the pixel. (laughs) And then they just cut to an actual just like 
1080p image of a cloud or something like that. So if you're like standing up there trying to like distinguish what is going on in the film and then they cut to that, it's a little bit hard for your brain to like get back into the resolution of normal digital media. I mean, it's cutting back to a film shot. So I don't, I, I mean, it's yeah. 1080p if you're watching it on 1080p. I get why it's there and makes sense. This is what I had in Does Middle. What I'm saying is that the juxtaposition of those two is hard. <laughs> That's all I have in Does Middle. Yeah, me too. Let's get to Does Wrong. All right. Um, for me, the acting is a big one here. While it is believable, he didn't write any script at all. He just let him talk. He just let him he, talk. Like interviewed them, sort of. Yeah, and that comes through. Um, I, I actually noticed it the most on the first viewing. Um, I'm kind of impressed with the fact that they're improving all that dialogue on repeat viewings, but it the dialogue does seem stilted and not terribly real. Real. So this is something that um, I'm learning literally right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm reacting <laughs> to this in the moment. That's fucking incredible. Are you kidding me? So there's no script for this movie. No, None whatsoever. No That's fucking awesome. This is what the I have the right. opposite what? take of you, Jack. I didn't notice anything <laughs> that bothered me about how people acted in this movie. Yeah, if that's really how they did all of this, then that is 100% what the movie does right. If I it's didn't stilted, notice anything and I guess stilted. there is a little bit of stilt here, but there's the normal amount of stilt that I'm expecting from a low-budget public access it, documentary. Man. I thought I thought that it was pretty good. Like I didn't I didn't it wasn't noteworthy enough for me to put in like any of the categories it just kind of exists but it certainly wasn't wrong yeah for me. i would retroactively huh. like to correct this from earlier this is what the movie does right that's fucking incredible <laughs> all right then what does we do wrong for you boys i had what so i don't like to pick on this as far as the sort of trifecta of things that are supposed to make the found footage uh, oeuvre uh which is Egg. But I'm I'm gonna pick it on pick on it here because it doesn't make any fucking sense. Why is she filming the actual important scene at Lake Mungo? Why is she walking around with her flip phone out in front of her, filming legit darkness on a film that does not? It's a film really good question. Well? Yeah, it's a totally valid question. <laughs> so that like, she can just capture the ghost of herself in the future, right? It makes now sense. if like I, from the it, from the movie standpoint, it works. It's good. I'm glad she captured it. Great. But from a human standpoint. That's from a, from a story standpoint makes no sense. I will say that if all. I was walking around some nature area and I did come across the ghost of myself, I would absolutely start filming that. Yeah, but, but I, she was okay. filming twenty <laughs> seconds prior to that. Yeah. Here's my best shot at this. So, in the explanation you get, there's a little bit of evidence. If I'm understanding it from like if I'm understanding it correctly chronologically. There, she is already somewhat distraught. Like, this is not the beginning. This is not the first encounter that she has had with anything that would make her think that something is amiss, right? Like, she's already met with the psychic or whatnot. I think that this is an opportunity for her, given what has been following her and haunting her for already some period of time, to capture it and then go through that symbolic burial type thing. Yeah, I guess she does have that whole dream sequence that sort of gets discounted. There's a and lot that of, dream sequence, yeah. Maybe I, I would. I, this is not something I'd written down. Maybe this is something that I would just like to interject here in the middle. They they try and set up this sort of dramatic history of Alice, and I don't think they quite make it work. Where they have her interactions with the uh, the psychic and her dreams and all this stuff, and all of that yeah. is just sort of played as background drama for what the family is doing. And I don't know if it actually comes through as 
what actually happened in her narrative. Like what, what actually happened to Alice was that she was haunted for more than this. Cause I think the, yeah. the actual thing that comes through to me when I watch this and now I've seen this three times is she was just a teenage girl who was a little bit upset about things. And then she was confronted with her own ghost at Lake Mungo. And I don't, now that you're saying this, that's not really what happened is she was a inherently disturbed individual who was filming something that she kind of already knew was going to be there, which is yeah, actually she, in a way even more disturbing. Yeah, she, I I agree. That's so that's the take that I've had. That's that I don't know that it's right, but that's the take that I've had, and I think it lends to that kind of depressing element to it. She's like that's she's incredible. just trying like to get lot. this down. Yeah, she's just trying to get this down, and then that's that's what plays into like that burial. Symbol symbology, symbology. Wombo. Symbology. I he she me wombo. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. Um, what else do we have? And what it does actually wrong. So the biggest one. This is the last one I had written down for legitimately does wrong. And maybe this ties into the thing we're already talking about. But right before they get to the Tui tape, which is the tape that so the neighbors were named the Tuies. Uh, so they're, they're, they're investigating something and then she starts looking at the tapes again. The mom starts looking at the tapes again and then she finds Tui on there and they go off onto that tangent of, she was actually be she was actually in a consensual sexual relationship with the older neighbors and there's this whole other thing that happens. But right before that, and I went back and watched it again to make sure that they didn't try and put a bow on this and I just wasn't realizing what was going on, is they still have... Evidence of Alice on tape. They have a few other ones that are not accounted for by Matthew, and they're saying like, "Okay, we have stuff that's that's Matthew doing shit. We have stuff that's not that that is whatever atypical. We're gonna we're gonna fucking dive deep on this." And then they find the Tui thing and they go off on that tangent, and then they never come back to it, which is honestly like pretty fucking unforgivable as what far part? as what a part? ghost Hold documentary on. goes. What part? So it's it's literally right before they get to the Tui thing. I don't have a timestamp, but I want to say it's forty four minutes in, forty five okay. minutes in, forty six minutes in, something like that. <laughs> I don't have a timestamp, but it's like forty four minutes, twenty three and a half. Literally, seconds. So, yeah, exactly. so find where they What's start the talking sin about the Tui tape. To? Go go to the point where they find the Tui tape, and then go back two minutes, and it's it's a it's a little monologue provided by her mom saying like, yep. okay, we got to hit the reset button. I know Matthew fucked up a bunch of this shit. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna watch all of this, and then they have a bunch of like really close zoom ins on Alice on screen. That is not accounted for by Matthew. Uh, and then they just drop it. They say, oh, I found Matt. I found the Tui guy, whatever the fuck his name was. And we're going to go off on that. And, you know, if he was around the corner, I'd throttle him. And then when they huh. come back, they just drop right into the Lake Mungo footage. They never talk about the fact that Alice is actually on this footage. I never... I don't even know what you're talking about as you talk about. I uh, huh. look. I thought. I assume that he tampered with everything. Blanket. And maybe, and maybe that's the actual answer. But the way they, they the way they show that, it's like he owns he up said to. Everything. Yeah, he owns up to a few of them, and they show everything. them individually, and then immediately after they show them, oh, they're like, bro. "Okay, now we got to go back and look." And they actually have a zoom in of Alice. It like like the 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 frame is literally just Alice's face. That's all it is. She takes up one hundred percent of it in the hallway or something like that. And then they're just like, and then Tui was there, and they just go that way. 
It might have been a, a sequence of weird editing, but I think that what my brain certainly did was just chalk it up to like literally everything that you've seen because he pretty much said as he said as much. Whatever his name was, Matthew, Matt, Maddie. Uh, all of those. He said I did all of it. It was me. I yeah. owned up to it. So, and then I assumed that go back everything that I had seen, regardless of the way they're showing it to me from a second to second basis, is his work. Go back and watch it. The way okay. they edit it leaves it up that there's about three minutes of footage where they just actively show you Alice that is objectively not, owned not up to. contributed to Matthew's doctoring. Okay. That's I weird. think some of that could be like multiple time viewership too because of what you have at the end. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Now that I've seen it three times, that's the thing that sticks out to me. But Well, look, while we're talking about not following up on stuff, not fo- not calling the police does exceed uh, a nitpick. For yeah, yeah, it's yeah, escalated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What the I, fuck? They do include the whole thing of just like, well, we could pers- we we could we could go after him in small claims court, I guess. Well, you have <laughs> video evidence of him committing statutory rape. Jesus. It blows it blows my mind. It blows it's, my mind. Oh, he's just like, yeah, I it's it's almost funny. It's all it if it wasn't so dark, yeah. it would be funny yeah. because it is such a terrible thing that and happened. Family is all and, consumed by thinking of their daughter all the time. Yeah, I mean it, like the setup that you have to this is heinous. So like I hate even mentioning this, but then the dad's just like, "Yeah, I'd punch that asshole." It's like, "Why don't you do more than that?" Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. could legally punch him and put him in prison. Yeah. <laughs> what the <laughs> this fuck, is super man? Super straightforward. That's what it says on my business cards, Mark. Jack, legal puncher. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it As it, it blew my mind. It hit me way harder this time than in the past. I don't me know why. Too. And I was I like, well, "Why have you not done anything like what why are you just complaining about how he's an asshole like there's way more at stake here i don't think else the movie does hard or wrong i am ready for you to blow the whistle oh i'm ready to blow the whistle please let us get out of this (laughs) (laughs) so we don't have to talk about this anymore yes Uh, thank you i i have a neat pick Okay, Okay, you're going to start with an e-pick. In the scene where Maddie is demonstrating how he doctored the pictures and showing like all the equipment he used to superimpose pictures on top (laughs) of each other, that's such a cool time capsule and such specific like (laughs) knowledge. You know how hard it is to just do that exact same photo manipulation right now? I I can do that on my phone. (laughs) Immediately. (laughs) There's an app for that. I can do do that in 45 seconds. It's not as crafty, though, man. It's less crafty now. But I also love it. I mean, it's... I think it evidences to me that this director was into photo manipulation like that and superimposing because he got... It's like such a specific world... Like, paints such a specific picture of how this was done at that time exactly using what equipment. And I love that he threw all that stuff in there. Not as an exact addendum to this, but one of the other neat picks I'd written down, literally I just wrote, neat pick colon, her phone rules. (laughs) (laughs) I, I do love... There's there's a part of my brain that just resonates with flip phones and like those Nokia bricks and shit that we had when we were in junior high and high school in like two thousand four, five, six, whatever. That, that it's just it's it's like the ro- it's like the romantic period of cell phones. <laughs> 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 it's fucking awesome. And seeing like the weird plastic bezels and shit that that we all had to deal with and 
are not the appropriate like they're they're not the best designed ways of delivering an actual camera and phone mechanic but whatever that's what we went with at the time like i don't know it's a warm fuzzy inside of my own body that's just like (laughs) oh fuck yeah i remember those times that was great technology (laughs) yeah exactly. there are a lot of little touches in this movie though like i also love at the very beginning when her dad is talking about like when he's driving back from the lake the car or when they're driving back from seeing her body the car stalled out and i could only get into reverse so we had to drive the whole way home in reverse yeah i feel like we should probably expound on that a little bit they drove the whole way home in reverse I mean, they're in rural Australia. (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) What is the fastest miles per hour you can, kilometers per hour you can go in reverse? I'd assume like 40. 25? (laughs) I don't know. 25 kilometers per hour? Look, if you're going, I don't know how how close they live to Lake Mungo, but like, are you going to make it, it's going to be a nine hour drive where you're just going backwards? (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? I don't know how far away they live, but I do, I love the little, little elements like that. Yeah, we're just I assume that right everything is a long drive in Australia. Backwards. <laughs> I uh, I have one other thing to highlight here. What did you guys notice this time around? So, a few of the people really seem like they're being interviewed in front of a green screen, and the main one, the main offender here, is Steve Wilkie which is Matt's best friend uh, right at their yeah. starting to talk about him, about um, photography and shit. Like the kid who works at like get... a, a, high, a hide shop. He's like at a tannery or something. Yeah, exactly. And I, Occam's razor is that they just film the kid there, but also the light lighting wise, it looks like he is completely separate from that. And it seems weird to me that they would go way out of their way to set up a green screen, to put him in a tannery. There is some kind of such a specific thing. I actually paused it, Mark, to see if I could find evidence that it was a green screen. I can't, I can't like point to anything to say this is definitely a green screen, but it looks off. I agree with you. Well, they had a shot with him, like where he definitely was working with, I don't think he was touching anything, but he was working w- alongside people who were like stacking up the hides. So he, I think they were just there and it was just weirdly exposed. Maybe or something you can do that thing where you bring a bunch of production lighting to interview somebody and you like end up kind of giving them a halo effect and separating them from the background. And maybe that's what happened here, but it looks like he is not of the world. <laughs> and that's, that's my nitpick right there. Boom. Nailed it. Good one. I don't have any Thank other you. nitpicks, by the way. Yeah, that's me. I have that's a, I have about. a question. Okay, I have a question. We got to get ending of the movie, right? Okay. We all liked it. I big big question. We're we go through a significant part of this movie where we are looking at, and the director is actively like tipping the scales here towards like I'm going to show you this thing that then Maddie doctored. Right? Are we to believe that that whole time? there was this other apparition in the photo. Yeah, I think so, Because yes. if so, I have big questions. And there's I no way... I'm pretty sure. I haven't verified, like, the video one where the, there's the other couple that's filming the, the... Jesus Christ, it's so hard to describe. They're filming at the reservoir the same day the yep. other guy is filming the thing that is in the background of his shot or whatever. Yeah. I haven't verified that one, but the other three that they show... Or okay. actually in the organic footage that they show you at the beginning. Great. Of the so, but think about the family 
just sitting there with that photo on their table or whatever, right? There's no way you look at the photo, say the one that he takes, the the static composition that he takes of his, like, looking out their back patio, down the steps, and then out, right? Where she's standing in the lawn, and then there is, all, like, 95% as visible sitting there, Alice, on the right side. There's no way That's you don't point. notice that, too. You when you're do not, not notice at that. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're just looking at the photo, you see fucking both of them. You see them both. So There's no this way. Has been, this, I think, has been the main point of contention among the, uh, among the three of us since the beginning of Lake Mungo discussion as a whole, where... I didn't see either of them initially, and then when they zoom in, like there's there is a power to the production value of zooming in on one of them. You you can take a bunch of photos, and in the world of this film, where he's taking ostensibly like dozens of photos and occasionally zooming in on one part of it, you can highlight that. And I don't necessarily expect the people in the world of the film to look at all the other four corners of that thing other than just but what Matt, he's zooming in on. Look at the care that Matt had to take to do what he had to do to put her in the photo in the first place. He would have, in that amount of time, he would have seen, like, oh, shit, I don't got to do shit. There's already a ghost here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, like, that is almost in and of itself an interesting other horror short that could maybe exist is like a guy trying to doctor something and realizing there's already a ghost in his like courtyard. (laughs) My work's done. (laughs) Anyway, it's puzzling to me because he had to go through. It's not that you could just do it on your phone quickly and miss it because you're being careless. Like you, you'd see it. You'd see it. Oh yeah. I mean, but also he could have tunnel vision, right? Maybe he, he has the shot that he's superimposing. He does it. He says, Hey, that looks okay. Boom. Nailed it. That's the yeah. That is the way that you have to explain that away, and I'm not willing to. Okay. Therefore, nitpick. <laughs> and that's and that's fair. Like you are, as an art artisan, you are looking at the the, the film you're producing and looking yeah. at all of the weird shit in the background, and you probably yeah. He's a photographer. He would have fucking seen it. Anyway, that was my big one. That was also the only one that hadn't been discussed. And that's gonna take us to the feature. Uh, nope. That's gonna take us. <laughs> to ratings? You can try. Let's you start talking about the feature this? presentation, boys. What are you doing? <laughs> Let's go to ratings. <laughs> oh my god. But I remember her vow, how she wouldn't forget me. We over to see horror use a one through ten rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think of how you'd rate Stinky Divers, Attitude, and Odor. Stinky Diver, a former Navy commando with an attitude as bad as his odor. And for 10, think of how you'd rate how strong and naked the flesh is. The flesh. He's super strong and super naked. Stories, the first category to rate these movies. Uh, Mark, why don't you go first? What is your story rating? Yeah, hell, why not? I gave it a six. This is one that like I feel like has a pretty good story, but you kind of have to sift through a bunch of bullshit to get there. Huh? Um... <laughs> On balance. You said that like it was a pun. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. What I don't was know the uh, What was I, the joke? I don't know how to communicate with humans anymore. I've been in quarantine so long. Okay, you okay, winked cool. like you'd made a joke. <laughs> Did I not? Was that not a joke? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. It was a joke, Mark. It was really funny. We Yay, all laughed. Hey, I did it. Yeah, I yeah. landed the joke. Um, I feel like in general the story is a bit unfocused, but like when you drill down to it, the thing that they're trying to make happen here is in its own way very interesting, and that's sort of the story of this whole movie. 
it's good if you drill down to it. So, Fair. yeah, that's what I got. Fair enough, Jake. Uh, I gave it way higher. I gave it an eight and a half. Jesus I, Christ. I, I really goodness. like this story because, honestly, like what this is is a fair, I think, fairly profound look at a disturbing and depressing and somber part of life that maybe not in the same way. Well, certainly not in the same way, but everyone's going to have to deal with grief and loss and like just having something ripped away from you in some way, shape or form. And it's done in a really interesting way in this one. They add a lot of twists and turns to it that is obviously very movie style story. But when I come out the other end of this, like what I'm really left with is that despite everything that happens that you could talk about from a very specific standpoint, the overall story of this one is an interesting meditation on death. And then the supernatural element actually adds to that in that, like what it like, what, what kind of a creepy fucking thing is this specter of your own corpse haunting you before your death as a premonition? That's yeah. great horror. Put a horror pause fodder, on that so. until we talk about Scare Factor, please. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. But that's still the story of this movie. Uh, I give it a six. I mean, I largely agree with Mark. I don't. I, I think it is an interesting yeah. story. I don't think it's like unbelievably elegantly executed, but it's it's kind of just a whole bunch of weird stuff. Mark, you said it's kind of sprawling. It takes a lot of different twists and turns, and some of them are revisited so it's not perfect but it's pretty good it's a six and that's gonna take us into world building and immersion mark oh yeah on this one i gave it a seven and this is entirely based on how well it nails the timbre of what a i don't really understand what the what the context in which i'm supposed to be viewing this movie in but i feel like it's some level of pbs documentary and sure, that's fine. Yeah. Insofar as that's the mindset I'm going in with, they fucking nail that so hard. And I, honestly, I feel like this probably should be higher, except for the fact that there's so many loose ends that they leave. As the 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 biggest defender here is what I had in my in my does wrong of don't fucking say I'm gonna go back and review all the tapes for the things that are wrong and that I need to figure out what Matt did and what Matt didn't do and what's actually here and then reveal in the end credits that there's a bunch of actual spectral shit going on but then don't actually give it any time that that I mean that's that's the biggest offender here but yeah overall this is a well constructed documentary that is immersive and interesting to look at <laughs> Yeah. No, that's awesome. I like it. Uh, Jake, what's your score? Uh, I mean, I agree with what Mark said. And then I have to, I would just say, like, ask yourself how engrossed you're going to be in that PBS style documentary. And at least for me, the Lots. answer is not very. I like documentaries, but I think that I'm probably susceptible to, or not susceptible, that's the wrong word, but I need like a little bit more to be happening this has a slower more plotting pace and you have while ADD? I agree with like, is that what you're saying yeah a little bit well i agree with what you're saying as far as the setting that's it's somewhere around there that's not typically something that i'm going to find myself glued to the screen for nor did i hear i never have that's not really the selling point of this one so while i think they hit it my immersion score 
is a little bit lower. I gave it a five and a half. Yeah, I gave it a six. Um, I think the world they built here is incredible. Uh, you guys already touched on all of that. Um, but it's, uh, you know, for immersion perspective from me, I there's there's loose ends, there's not calling the police, there's the fact that it loses something on repeat viewings, and there's the fact that the dialogue didn't always ring totally natural to me, so it's losing points there. But it is still very good, so it's a six. Uh, it's going to take us into Scare Factor. Mark? Yeah. Uh, so I give it a five and a half, and this is interesting because I feel like the thing that this has should be a 10, but also it takes up about 2% of the movie. So there's some like fancy math <laughs> happening in the background for me to figure out what to actually give this thing. If you are haunted by the specter of your future death, that's goddamn fucking terrifying. Especially when it's grotesque. <laughs> that, it's grotesque. That's what this movie does so well, is the lightning bolt of a scare that does exist. That said, it is maybe 30 seconds total of a 95-minute runtime. So how exactly we, we reconcile that as far as the scare factor goes, I'm not sure. I, I This isn't one that's going to keep you riveted or scared, Overall, I, I think it definitely has to be at least average because of how important the punchline is. But it's not something that like you could show half of to somebody and they would be upset for an evening. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Mark, it's interesting that you said 95-minute runtime because the total length for me on my DVD is 89 minutes and the credits oh, start I rolling. Oh, I made that like... up off the top of my head and I, oh, okay. I hoped okay. it was close. Yeah, it's pretty close. I mean, it's like the 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 credits start rolling at like 81. <laughs> okay, okay. So it's an 80-minute runtime. Pretty much. But my, my point is the, the jump scare thing is still, it's effective and brilliant, but also only 30 seconds long. Yeah, no, that's fair. Jake, yeah. what's your score? I agree with everything you said. I think that there's work done in the first third, I guess. I don't know how we're splitting this movie up. There's before you start to get to the turns, uh, where it starts to build a fairly effective chilling ghost story. And I think that some of that builds dread semi effectively. Uh, so I don't want that to just get totally lost, but overall, I agree with you. What this leans on is really that very small section of the movie. That being said, I still gave it a seven. I gave it a seven as it's well. It's so effective. Yeah, it's it's so effective. It's Holy wildly shit, effective. You guys. Okay, cool. Um, and and the other thing I would mention is that there's a lot to be said for um a lot of making you hunt down even on a static image for something scary. It's like that scene in Signs, right, when you're watching the tape along yeah. with the characters. Like that yeah. adds a little extra terror to things for me when you're having to like find it yourself when it's art. Yeah, really and done. I think. I, I think the other thing that I would say, too, is there are, like I, I said it already in this podcast, there are very few movies that I walk out the end of, especially now that we watch so many horror movies. There are very few that I, like, leave the movie experience and then I think about or that would make me unsettled. Like, if I'm walking around my house at night with the lights out, that I'm not going to feel great. Oh. And this is one of those. And this tonight will not, I won't feel great. I can scare myself by thinking of that scene and everything it entails. Yes. So that set, that should be a high score. Yeah. Like, there, there are a handful, if that, of movies that do that to me. And this is one of them. Yep. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to swoop in here to say that. This should be a double feature with searching. 
I think I'm still the only one who has seen this, but the way that these two movies play with like the unknown and like what's about to happen and people dealing with losing a child and also coming to grips with like the life they had that they weren't aware of. Uh These two movies go so well together. Everyone needs to fucking watch searching. I don't like that. It's such an unappreciated classic. (laughs) Kind of like this one, huh? Yeah. I, yes. I mean, we're going to get to that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. What's our next fucking category? Effects or judicious lack thereof. Mark, what is your effects or judicious lack thereof score? I give it a seven, and it's almost entirely judicious lack thereof, but I do appreciate that they went out of their way to put, I assume, the actual like scary shit in the background of things without pointing it out to us um, and then pointing it out to us over the credits. I love that. That is a direct beeline to the things that work for my brain uh i am super appreciative of all of the things that they do for this movie yep jake six and a half pretty much same reasons six same reasons same score i mean they don't do a lot but what they do do is effective oh same reasons then what fuck you nitpicking me all of a sudden let's go to overall mark i gave it a six and a half and i feel like i'm actually kind of going a little bit low on this one but there is a very specific segment of people I think this would be recommendable to. I like this movie. I would be super happy if you said, hey, Mark, we're watching this again next week. I'd be fucking down. But as far as the general viewing audience, this is one that I am going to... This is behind a few barriers for me before I actually recommend it to people just because of how slow and plotting it is and because of how esoteric it is as a premise fair enough jake i gave it a seven and a half i i hear what mark's saying that's i i I try to leave that out of this particular part of what we're doing with the review jake it's an objectively perfect rating system this is where i'm gonna apply my own tilt we will talk about thumbs up, thumbs down in a second. That's where other people come in. For me, though, it's it's higher. Like this is a this is a very solid, unique, underappreciated, underviewed still. Though it's getting more of its shrift now, I suppose. Film and it's one that impacts me. It's a high score. Can yeah, I give it a seven? For a moment. Sorry, Jack. I didn't mean to blow you up there, but like, can we talk for a moment about how this film is generally viewed by? the cognizanti like i i actually have no clue whether or not this is a well-known movie or not it's not well known at all there are like less than 20 rotten tomatoes reviews but the tomatometer's a 94 which is good it got a lot more notoriety in like october of 2019 chris stuckman i don't know if you know him he does like youtube movie reviews did this one and that got like 10 million views or something so that like gave it a lot of notoriety 10 million views that's like a tuesday for us right (laughs) it's not that's sad he gushed he loved this movie so that helped i mean it it still is very underseen absolutely yeah fair enough um, I, I gave it a seven. I, I'm right in the middle of you two guys. I think that this is a fantastic movie. It, I, it's, it's. I don't know that I'm gonna want to watch it again terribly soon. Uh, but man, there's nothing like that first experience with the film. So, so it's a seven. It's, a, it's a high, expertly crafted piece of piece of cinema. I think it's fantastic. See, but that's n- that's the funny thing is like as I was watching this, I was like, this isn't as good as I remember it. I hope I get to watch this again next week. 
those <laughs> those are the two things that were running through my brain. I was just like, this sucks, but also I really want to watch this again in like 12 minutes. Man, that's so weird. I was like exactly the opposite. I was like, man, this is really expertly made. I have no interest in watching it again. <laughs> I was okay. more like I was more like Jack than you. All right. <laughs> that's well, funny. We're all psychopaths. There you go. <laughs> sure. That's the takeaway from that. <laughs> I don't think that is. Mark's lost his mind. Is. Let's go on to whether or not we can recommend this movie. Let's do thumbs up, thumbs down. I gave and it Mark- a thumbs up. Uh, look, I like I said earlier, I think this is an incredibly esoteric film to recommend, but it's still really good. As you were saying earlier, it's still expertly made. All of the points that it hits are well executed, and it seems like the thing that it's trying to be. So... Mark, let me ask you this. Would you recommend this movie to someone without the caveat, but of like, trust me, just go with it. it it'll seem, would you give a caveat? With this exercise, I always, within reason, ask myself, would I give this a thumbs up or a thumbs down to my own mother? As a little bit of context, my Hard mom no. fucking hates horror movies. Um, but... <laughs> I actually feel like I might recommend this one to my mom. This is a really well-constructed film, and I think I think she would appreciate that. I don't okay. know if she would necessarily love the fact that it became a ghost story at the end of it, but like just as far as watchability and what 88, I don't know, 94% of the movie was, I feel like she would still enjoy stepping through sort of the dramatic elements of losing a child. Like, no, I mean, that's weird, but <laughs> Mark, 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 I, what? I, I like you as a person. I appreciate what you were saying. You understand you got nowhere near answering the direct question that I asked you. I am trying to become a politician, Jack. So, <laughs> so I needed to ask me as many questions as possible and I will do my best to not answer literally any of them. When you recommend this movie, having given it a thumbs up, will it be with a caveat? When you tell someone that they should watch this, will it be with an addendum of, but I know it's going to seem slow, just trust me, work with it? I kind of appreciate actually giving a recommend and then literally giving no caveats. There's there's like there's like a minor asterisk just saying, like, it's going to be fun. Something something obtuse, something something obscure that you don't give it away. You don't give away anything that's about to happen to them. You just say, like, watch this one. It's going to be a good time, you know? And and then the asterisk is just that you, like, leaned into it a little bit and you just said, like, it's going to be weird. <laughs> so the answer uh, is no, you wouldn't give an attendum. No, I wouldn't, because I think that's part of the viewing experience. I fucking love it when I can go into a movie like this and not have a weird spoiler for the fact that it's going to be outside, that it's going to be, like, like, whoa. You know what I mean? I think it kind of requires, like, it, it inherently requires a little bit of a, caveat might not be the right word, but it needs something. Like, if it's coming with a recommendation, I guess that's enough, right? I can't remember how I was first turned on to this, because I think, yeah, the first time I saw this was probably, like, Jack, you had it a little bit wrong. I think we watched this during, like, our very first, it's October, we're going to watch a bunch of horror movies things in college. So okay. it was, like, 2009 or something. Okay. But... I don't know where I had seen something about it. All I know was that it came with like a, this is something that you should watch if you think you like horror. And I was like, oh, you're going to make that statement? Fine. And then I (laughs) watched it and I was like, damn. So, and this is what you're getting at. The onus becomes on 
the person who's doing the recommendation. You don't need to provide an actual asterisk or like uh, you don't need to couch it in anything. If you deem the person wanting to see this, that you're 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 you need to make that recommendation, knowing that the person would actually like it. <laughs> you don't just recommend this to like some random person. Fuck. That's well, I know, work. but that's kind of the whole exercise too. Is like, is it recommendable? Not like, would you recommend? Re- uh, is the movie recommendable? <laughs> I I'm moving on to myself. I still think that it is. Because I think that, like you were saying when you did get to your point about, like, would I recommend this to my mother, there's enough going on here that's not... You don't have to be into the hardcore nichest of niches in horror for this to be something that you'd be interested in. You could bring someone in who might not traditionally watch a horror movie and get them with the side that is the very human element here you could get it with like there is a believable documentary piece that they might find interesting i think that there's enough of an angle that you could take regardless of what that angle might be to then hit them with the punchline that is the horror here and that seems like a great experiment so that's what makes it a thumbs up for me exactly so i have a quick question just for the pure sake of wordplay uh in what niche would you consider friedrich nietzsche (laughs) <laughs> Shut up! I, don't I, I don't can't, don't I acknowledge can't that. Don't right get... now. Can we just can we just mute him? <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jack, thumbs up or thumbs down? Fuck! This is a thumbs no up attention for to me. The but it's a thumbs up when I recommend this to people. It does have to come with an additional statement of, and trust me, it's worth watching. Like, don't give up on it. Yeah, I mean that's the one concern that you would have is that someone would like find it a little bit slow. I mean, you get an hour in and it's more than a little bit slow still yeah is the issue absolutely that's the concern so it, it is a recommend for me and but it's a recommend with a warning statement of like but trust me it is worth watching it's a right. legit book club movie where i honestly feel like if you watch this on your lonesome and you had no one to discuss it with you probably wouldn't like it but if, Fuck you, that. if you take them hold on but if you take a moment and like think about it and share your feelings with someone else around you. Like you can ex- expose the, the interesting part of this movie. I've, I feel like this is a movie that needs to be discussed in order to appreciate what it is. I think you'll like, I think you'll find that you quote unquote, like it enough when you can't sleep because you're just envisioning that specter at the end of your bed. I mean, yeah. Anytime I see myself having been dead for three months, two months from now, I think. I don't know. Time is a wibbly wobbly, tiny wibby circle. Hey, let's get the fuck out of here, Jack. I can't. I can't form sentences anymore. What? That's been true for some time now. Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry, listeners. This has been episode 178 of the A to Z Horrorcast. To check out everything we have going on, head on over to a to z or come hang out with us on any of our social media channels. Those are Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all those links are right down there in the description below. As Jack mentioned at the start of the episode, if you're still here hanging out with us and you like what you're hearing, right now, maybe don't become a Patreon member. Put that, put a bookmark in that. Come back to us in a bit when the world sorted itself out. Right now, take care of yourself. Take care of those that are close They're to you. And maybe take care of your community. Gusto. That money can be put into a lot better places. The world needs it right now. The music, as always, has been coming at you from Super Fair. Their link is down there in the description below as well. Next week, we are getting back to our own picks. 
Jack, our own, he made a pick that's called Insidious. It's going to be coming at you one week from today. And until then, get your buddies, grab some beers, and go watch some more movies. Have a great week, everybody.